Welcome to Charmed Life, a radio show discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I am Trisha Carr, your host. Oh, goodness. Hold on. We got a little technical difficulty. That's up. To, that's all me. That's not Jarvis, my brilliant producer. <laughs> that was me. I had a little technical difficulty this morning getting started. So we're starting a few minutes late. If you're listening live, I apologize for that. But uh, you know, um, I, I guess I am partly to blame. If you just heard some feedback there, that was me. Um, and I guess that's a reminder to say when you call in, please do mute your computer. And we are taking calls today at three two three five two four two five nine nine. So once again. Blah, blah, I'm Trisha Carr. I'm your host, and I am so blessed to be here with you today. If you're joining us live, welcome. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you're watching on YouTube in an archive or listening on the podcast, thank you so much for being here with me. Please do subscribe. Please like, comment, share, because the more that you contribute to this, you contribute your energy, the more you're contributing to the global and galactic and universal conversation about being inspired and about living your highest good good. That's the reason why I named the show Charmed Life, because as we're living in resonance with our higher self, our life indeed feels magical and it feels charmed. And that is my interest, is to help us all connect and feel that with one another and inspire one another to live in that resonance. And so if you uh, would like to please follow me also on social media, keep up with me that way. My website is trishacarcharm.com, and that's basically all my social media handles, too. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I actually have two. I have one just for this show called Charmed Life 1111, and then at Trisha Car Charm. I have so many wonderful guests coming up this month, uh, not the least of which is the one who is on today, but I do have Bridget Nielsen coming on this month, and also Jessica Potter, so I hope you'll tune in, and then I have a couple of shows I'm doing on my own where I'm going to do a little preaching, a little churching, a little, um, you know, teaching, and I'm also going to always be taking calls because I love connecting with you guys. So again, it's 323-524-2599. And my guest today is a shamanic practitioner and clinical psychologist. She is brilliant. She is wise. She is powerful. She is gifted, honest, and um, just I don't know, like such an inspiration. Um, What a great teacher she is as well. So I'm very excited to hear what she has to share with us today. And her name is Dr. Justine Useldine. Welcome, Justine. Thank you for having me. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, um, Justine and I actually know each other from uh, a group called the Lightworkers Lab, and um, it's it's was created. It's a community, really, created by Crystalline Compton, who I've mentioned on my show a few times. Justine, why don't do you want to tell? Justine is a moderator of the Lightworkers Lab. Do you want to give the audience a little overview of the Lightworkers Lab and where it's going? Because it's really exciting what's happening with this community. It- it is. It's really exciting. So thank you again, Trisha, for having me. And the Lightworkers Lab is a gathering place for, it initially began as, and remains uh, for the students of Crystal Ann Compton, who is a dear friend of mine and a very, very, very gifted, intuitive channel and teacher. And so it began as kind of a, a forum, um, a group of like-minded others for her students who had taken some of her, really any of her many class offerings that she has. So that's how it started. It was her her idea, and then it just started growing and growing. And I think, I just checked it this morning, I 
think we have close to 200 souls aboard our, as I like to call it, our glitter starship. Um, and it's just a really unique place. We have um, all sorts of interests and countries and time zones represented on there. And it's it's just a really um, neat group of, of human beings who, who just want to bring some light to this world. I think ultimately yes. that's that's the whole goal and learn how to do that and also connect and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. It is very, it's a very bright, light, loving, supportive, uh, I just, and very human, a very human place. And I love humans. <laughs> I bet you do too, Justine, given the work that you do. <laughs> Well, I say that because, you know, a lot of times when we're in this um, seeking in this community, we start to discover our star roots, which is a funny way to say it, I think, but our star. um, Yeah. But, you know, we're here to be human and we're here to love this planet and to remember that we're spiritual. But while we're being human and that we're spirit, not just spiritual, we are spirit. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I actually had Lauren Antifermo on, um, it's probably, as this we're broadcasting now, I think it was two or three weeks ago. And Lauren is also a moderator in the Lightworkers Lab. So we didn't actually mention it last time. So I wanted to uh, go ahead and uh, mention it now because I think it's very powerful and it's expanding. And this, yes. it's going on beyond the Facebook um, expression of it, isn't it? That's that's absolutely right. It is um, kind of as we're, we're launching, I believe in the next few months, I'm not sure exactly, you know, in the star log, like when that's <laughs> right. going to be exactly, but um, it is set and there is a another vessel, there's a bigger container that we're going to put all this love into yeah. and uh, that is going to be lightworkerslab.com. Oh, so great. Well, I encourage everyone to please check out Crystal's work and, of course, Justine's work. And we're going to talk more about that and the Lightworkers Lab. But let's get back to Justine or Dr. Ding, as she's also known. <laughs> Just- My longtime alias. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, Justine, why don't you start off um, letting us know about your journey or the work that you're doing and that you have done? Tell us about Dr. Ding. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll cut right to it okay. because we, we could be here a while. Um, I am a pretty standard issue uh, clinical psychologist and, and I'll explain what that is. What we do is um, assess, diagnose and treat um, various forms of psychological problems from just everyday disorders of living, you might call it, all the way up to full-blown schizophrenia um, and then dual diagnoses and kind of everything in between. So we, we tend to, you tend to find clinical psychologists in sometimes difficult places, shall we say. So that's where I've spent yeah. a lot of my career. I have spent um, years working. Um, I've worked in private clinics, but I've also worked in a lot of public service positions, primarily in maximum security prisons, detention mm. facilities, um, state and federal and one private facility. Um, uh, spent a lot of time working in, um, medical environments, particularly long-term care and with hospice patients. And then I spent many years earlier in my career working with addiction and in particular dual diagnosis. But there, there were signs of my later development <laughs> earlier in the process. Uh, when I was a student at the University of Nebraska, I also minored in transpersonal psychology. And that is really the study of um, the psychology of spirituality or 
possibly even the spirituality of psychology <laughs> and the intersection. And right. so that kind of gives you my my standard boilerplate um, history. And then kind of all along um, from a very young age, I've had um, sort of mystical experiences. I think nowadays I call them intuitive or psychic experiences. Um, and then finally, it was interesting. Once I started working with hospice patients um, in about 2006, 2007, I started experiencing some really unusual things with spirits just sort of showing up. Um, and that's a pretty classic phenomenon um, noted often among people that work with the dying. But it was new to me. You know, the yeah. whole thing was new to me. Wow. And um, yeah, it just really changed um, the way I approached all this stuff. I'd had experiences with spirits and um, just unusual phenomenon earlier in my life and had actually pursued um, shamanic studies along with like Reiki healing and various modalities earlier. But, you know, when you're a gradual student, as I like to call it, um, <laughs> it takes a really long time sometimes to get through that. Yeah. So I, it's almost as if this stuff emerged for me later when I had time for it mm -hmm. and was able to do something with it. So I started taking a lot of classes and got back into eventually found my way back to shamanic training and it changed everything. It changed the way I practice psychology on the one side. It led me down different paths just within traditional psychology, but also um, the emergence of, of these experiences, I think really deepened my connection with spirit and also mm -hmm. really opened me up into thinking about things I'd sort of shut off, you know, like, uh, where do we go when we die? And yeah. uh, what is what is it to be a human? And where is the mind? You know, it, it just really made me sort of re-examine a lot of my fundamental assumptions. So today I live and work here in Denver, Colorado and love it. It's a great place to be. And I have a small private practice and that's where I do um, what a friend of mine calls my woo-woo stuff or my woo-woo stuff. <laughs> and so I see private um, clients in my office and do a variety of things from different types of shamanic practices, such as soul retrieval, mm -hmm. um, extraction of misplaced energy, stuff like that. And then I do transpersonal uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy. And then I do kind of an unusual thing on the side. I also will give like consultative readings to people. Um, you could also call that psychic readings. Sometimes spirits come through. Sometimes they don't. I don't call myself a a medium, shall we say? Uh, maybe I'm a medium medium. I, I don't know. But uh, something like that. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, then I also offer some teaching and coaching services to other people, particularly people that work in the mental health field that want to learn um, how do I listen to my intuition better? How do I decipher mm. some of these experiences I'm having? It's really geared towards people that are already having um, kind of an intuitive awakening, you might say. So that's really how I work. Um, right now, I do work still a couple of days a week in uh, long-term care environments, just as a regular standard issue, boilerplate clinical psychologist who, you know, doesn't talk about ghosts and <laughs> things like that with people because, you know, they kind of frown on that. Insurance doesn't like to pay for that. So. <laughs> insurance doesn't pay for ghosts. No. Yeah. Insurance does not pay, Gosh, pay for Our system is broken. <laughs> it's so broken, Trisha. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I love that. Um, I'm, I'm sure that it that as a psychologist or as a, a person in the medical field, particularly people who are, you know, first of all, before I, I get into that comment, I have to say what a, a hardly standard boilerplate. And even even so, the boilerplates 
that are you special, special beings that are here helping people that are very sick and the long-term care and the hospice situations, just a totally different kind of person. So thank you for that because I'm, I, I have, you know, being a very, my sensitivity prohibits me and I've had to find, you know, you have to actually find your place. And I remember this one time, this stories coming to mind and I apologize it's it's for all the really sensitive people but I was driving down a street in LA I apologize because the story is is um kind of sad I was driving down an, a busy street in downtown LA and I saw something in the street it was like a bumper to bumper kind of traffic something in the street that was kind of moving in a weird way and then I realized what it was and I I stomped on the brakes because it was a little kitten a tiny kitten who had just gotten hit and oh he, he was kind of convulsing and he was like, you know, not making it. And so I jumped out of my car and I was insanely, I was insane. I was like rending my clothes and putting ashes on my head. <laughs> just, just, so that's a Bible reference. <laughs> about I was lamenting and like standing there and I wanted, what I wanted to do was put him out of his misery because he was dying and he was just in pain and I yeah. wanted I wanted to crush his skull I'm so sorry again for the sensitive people but this is real this is really Justine's provoking me to have some real talk up in here and but I, I would walk toward him and then I would turn away and I'd walk toward him and I turned away and people were driving by and like it was a busy street and some oh person yeah and this man came out of a yard and he was so sweet he was looking at me with like really feeling bad for me looking at me with a lot of compassion and he was saying it's okay it's okay and I don't think he spoke very much English because that's all he was saying was it's okay it's okay mm-hmm. and he picked up the kitten and he was walking it across the yard and he was just going to put it in the trash can because he didn't understand. And I was like screaming at him again. I don't think he spoke English, screaming at him, kill him, kill him. You have to kill oh. him in the middle of L.A. And he didn't. And he was he just kept saying to me, it's OK, it's OK. And so for me, I felt like my sensitivity failed me there. So oh. and, and I, I'm so sorry for, for such a, I'm not sorry. For some reason, I feel like compelled oh, to share the story. <laughs> But I'm saying it because you are a person who is able to be sensitive and strong. And you are incredibly sensitive, but you're able to actually manage it in a way. And and that is my hope is that I am managing my sensitivity in a way that it is functional. And that's actually a part of my mission and my um, effort is to help sensitive people to find their sensitivity as a strength. And you are like naturally that, I just think. So I had to say that. (laughs) You. Well, not naturally, actually. No, I'm sure, sure you absolutely work on it every single day, too. But you've been working on it a long time, and I appreciate that, that you're doing that in the world for us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Trisha. I would love appreciate to. That. How do you manage that cross-section between, I mean, I imagine in your in your mind, you're constantly bouncing between those two perspectives, the scientific, and when, especially when you're in the, the, the you know, the part where insurance is paying for it and you you know you you have you're actually you're you know morally bound in a particular well we're always morally bound but you're legally bound so you have to keep your science hat on but you're but you can also never take off your spiritual hat so is that what is that like can you give us a little feedback on that absolutely and as as you rightly pointed out it some days it's a lot harder than others it is a balancing act Mm -hmm. for sure um i think that 
I have been able to, to manage to not um, screw that up by having a really good translator inside myself. So for mm. example, mm-hmm. um, when I was a kid, I would sometimes see auras around p- people, particularly like when I go to church and stuff, I think everybody's trying to be really holy, but um, <laughs> I would see kind of these colored lights, you know, around their bodies and didn't really think a whole lot of it. I mean, I, when you grow up in a, in a church like the Catholic church where all the saints have halos around them, you know, it doesn't seem too weird, honestly, but mm. it was a little weird. Um, so when this stuff started happening, it really started emerging again when I was um, starting to see patients as a graduate trainee. And um, it was really painful. I mean, I'm not going to mm. lie about it. It was really kind of jarring for me, like a lot of the time, um, because I didn't have good energetic boundaries. I would come mm. home like with this satchel of problems of other oh. people just sort of dragging it around. Um until I, I met somebody that was a social worker in the town, a, a licensed clinical social worker, um, and who also was a Reiki master. Um, and I'm sure the audience probably for your show, Trisha, knows what Reiki is, but it's, it's yeah, a healing, like a direct healing um, type of a tradition that uses universal energy and it's run through the heart chakra into the hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and she worked on me. I, I, I just needed somebody I could talk to that wasn't going to like report me to some committee, you know, <laughs> at the university. Yeah. And she talked to me about some of the experiences I was having and showed me some ways that I could maintain what I think is now called something along the lines of energy hygiene, you know, like kind of um, cleaning up your energy field around you so that you weren't constantly absorbing stuff. And so I've used a lot of her teaching um, and a lot of her ideas I think came from I believe it's I'm probably going to get the name wrong but it's Brennan I believe it is Wheels of Light um, talks a lot about this kind of stuff and so I, I every day I would drive home from the clinic and I would just have this um, I would sort of use my imagination because I didn't know what else to call it at the time I didn't quite have a frame for this mm-hmm. use my imagination to have this brilliant like diamond like white light scrub out other mm. people's stuff from my mm. aura as I was driving home which now I now I probably wouldn't do as much of you know like um, I tend to go into a slightly um, trance like state when I do that not a deep trance but driving and being in a trance state probably aren't the, the best yeah. ideas you know, in hindsight. We, we always actually even if you're not doing it intentionally that happens a lot. I mean even when you're not trying to do something spiritual sometimes you miss your exit <laughs> because you're kind of driving yeah. does that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's like yeah. you're in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I just did that the other day. Like, but uh, so I started doing stuff like that. I started when I was start to feel ickiness, like cause sometimes I'd feel like a pulling sensation kind of right in my, my mm-hmm. heart chakra. I'd go, wait, is this me or is this them? You know, she taught me all these questions to oh, ask. Nice. Yeah. And it just, it, I've used that ever since um, to, to help me stay, you know, to get into that person's reality a little bit enough to help, mm-hmm. but with like one leg, kind of wrapped around my chair leg, you know, yes. like one foot kind of hooked in there so I didn't get all the way sucked in. Yeah. And certainly when I'm tired or if I've um, just, you know, just gotten over a cold or if I'm feeling sort of vulnerable, it's a lot harder to do that mm-hmm. some some days than others. I have to tell you, I've never heard, I, I say spiritual hygiene and it's something that just came out one day when I was doing a broadcast and I was like, that's exactly what it is. And the, and when I, when I say spiritual hygiene, I mean exactly what you're talking about, about keeping yourself clear, but also what you take in. You know what I mean? Like having a good diet. I always say basically your spirituality is subject to diet and exercise too. And so you have to be moving it and you have to be taking in some good stuff. 
Absolutely. Um, You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, I love that um, you said, I love that you're talking about all of this because I have a ton of people that I, I mean, I attract, I, re- I, I vibrate in the, the, you know, calling out to sensitives and empaths and all of what the stuff that you're saying, I, that's exactly how I became more strong as a sensitive, being able to keep my, uh, myself clear to release. Um, and, and then we just, as, as very sensitive people, we're, we're here to heal the world. And so we're healing it. it yeah, to, we're trying to rescue everybody, which, by the way, I always say, we assist, we don't rescue. It's not Absolutely. actually possible to rescue someone. And, um, but I, yeah, and, you know, like you say, sometimes you you don't do it so often, or but then do you find that you, you, it's because it comes a little second nature how you actually maintain yourself. So you don't have to do the visualization as quite as much or maybe to the degree, but then do you find yourself kind of peeling the onion and every now and again you're like, okay, I have to get back to really consciously bringing in that light, that diamond light and everything. Does that happen with you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You, you hit it right on the head. There's that thing. There's, there's a very unglamorous part of it, which I will share. Um, so much of this has become routinized for me that sometimes what I do is I just make note of when I go through a doorway. It's back when I used to study uh, Zen. That was one of the really nifty exercises they would have us do to develop mindfulness. So a lot of times when I exit the doorway of a facility and sometimes the doorway of like a patient room or an office, mm-hmm. I will mentally communicate with spirit and just say, I'm leaving all that there. Whatever's mm-hmm. there that belongs to them stays there. All that belongs to me stays with me so that I don't find myself getting drained. Mm-hmm. And also so that I'm not taking anybody else's stuff with me and they're not holding on to anything of mine. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the unglamorous part. The other thing I do at the end of the day, and I particularly did this when I worked in really harsh environments where I had to be perhaps more of an authority figure than I really felt, uh, like prison, mm-hmm. I would look in the rearview mirror of my car and I would just make eye contact with myself, as funny as that may sound and I would say out of role like I I don't have to be in that energy anymore I don't have to use my prison voice I don't have to use command presence you know in my day-to-day existence because that causes its own problems so those are the two things that are pretty automatic for me right but yeah (laughs) then the other thing um in in terms of of having these aha kind of or upgrade like experiences I went to a a training years and years ago. I think this was like 2007. It was like the last angel therapy practitioner training that um, Doreen Virtue did in the Laguna Beach area. I guess she'd had trainings there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Now she, I believe she does them like in Hawaii, maybe. She does them in Hawaii. Can I ask you, do you remember what year that was? Because I think a friend of mine also went to that last one. No way. Yeah. Get together after this. Um. Laura Powers. She's been on my show a few times. Laura Powers. That's so cool. I think I think she said she was maybe at the last one. Anyway, go ahead. I just that'd be we'll, funny. We'll have to connect on that. I'm not <laughs> sure though, but yeah, it would have been October of 2000, I believe, in seven. Yes, 2007. All right, I'll have to ask her. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Well, so I went to this, and I'm I'm just having a ball. I mean, you know, it's like yes, I, I I'm with all these other light workers. This is great. Do do do. So I'm just just chilling and maxing and relaxing you know i'd never been to california except through the airport so i'm having a great all time so it was like day four day three i can't quite recall but i'd been there and i'd been in the groove all of a sudden she has us do this thing with archangel Raphael, mm-hmm. kind of sucking any curse energy out of our fields and i was Ooh. floored to hear her say talk of curses because that's really her, her 
Kindle house. She doesn't talk about stuff like that usually. Yeah. But she lets us know. She's like, you know, I just don't put that in the books because it scares people. Mm -hmm. She goes in the books. It's all described as, you know, misplaced energy, displaced energy, all this kind of stuff. So I'm gamely doing this, you know, I'm wanting to learn. And I just sort of do, 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 do. All of a sudden, I'm able to see like these needle-like things sticking out of sort of the back of my aura, for lack of a better term, like a like a porcupine. Yeah. And they reminded me of like acupuncture needles, just really long and just a zillion of them. Wow. And I realized what I had taken on and I'd never been able to see it or feel it in any way until that moment was the energy of when I had worked in prison not that long mm. before that. And I would I was shown kind of this visual of me walking these ranges, um, these housing ranges in um, SEG, uh, which is the bucket or the hole or, you know, when you hear it in movies and stuff. So here I am realizing that every time an inmate said something nasty or, you know, critical or just really abusive or whatever, that was one of those needles that somehow got stuck in there. Even though I got really good at tuning all that out, yeah. some of it got in my field. So that was a major aha moment wow. for me. And every once in a while, I'll have something like that. Nothing's ever been quite that dramatic since, which is good. But uh, I think I've also been a little more diligent since that time. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad that you are bringing this up because I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about asking you to give some tips to people. And I feel like you're, you've are you already given a ton of great ones. So I, I like to tell people that when you're listening to the show, when I have someone on like Justine, like Dr. Ding, who is so wise, and please go back and take notes. And I actually will too. You know, we do show notes for this, for the, for the episodes. So please do find those later because like the return to sender that you mentioned as well, uh, that was something that really got me, it was a really important um, practice for me in the beginning of understanding my sensitivity, understanding myself as an empath. And I tell people that come to me when they're just trying to figure out this, that you have to be very, honestly have to be ritualistic at first when you're, tr- you're trying to teach yourself how to be. So it's not that you have to be ritualistic all the time because we can over ritualize if we're doing it forever and ever because we focus on the ritual. But like, like we said, you kind of sometimes you have to come back to a ritual when you, you know, after you do get that strength and that new state of being, because fortunately it is a journey. We never, we're never going to be done. That's the good part. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's always another layer of that infinite onion you talked about. Yeah, that's true. J- Jarvis, do we have some, oh, good. We have a phone call. Do you want to take call, Justine? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> Hello, you're on Hi, I'm Charlene. Hi, who is this? Oh, I'm sorry. Charlene. Charlene, hi. How are you? Yes, good. Um, I, I'm so glad you were talking about Reiki and everything. I just started um, doing it. Well, having somebody do it to me, and I've been wanting to learn it myself. Um, this all came about after my son passed away. Mm-hmm. I'm so um, sorry. It's been one year. Oh, I'm so sorry, and, sweetheart. And, um, yeah, he died on March 1st of last year, and um he was only 23 and a beautiful, bright You know, it's a, it, it, it has nothing to do with judgment or anything like that, but it's just, that's a very, that's an upsetting thing to, to go through. And he's in, it's a good thing. He's in a good place. It's like he's in school in, in the way that is just feeding him so much. And it's a lot of relief and it's a lot of, he's um, connecting with a lot of wisdom 
uh, it, that you know, and I say connecting because he is. It is him. It's he's connecting with his own wisdom and remembering it and getting trained as to how to let it flow better. And I also get that that is part of the reason why. And because he is actually occupied, his his energy is occupied with that. So um, it isn't it isn't really easy for him to bring his energy down to this plane in that way. And that actually takes some practice too, when we're on the other side, actually to figure out how to, you know, show to, to make that contact with our, our loved ones who are still here and and incarnate. Um, And I actually, and I, I pick up on your guilt as well, but I actually feel that you have such a higher, you also have at the same time, this higher perspective where you, you also are like, it really, you you have this wisdom where you're like, well, it's normal to feel guilty, and I actually understand. You understand the higher perspective at the same time that you loved him and he loved himself, and there's just this, you know, free will, and you you understand all of that. So you're not you're you've gotten maybe you did it because it would be very natural. I don't feel that you're in this place of feeling like you've been wronged or you know what I mean, like you're angry at God. I feel like no. you, yeah, you don't. No. You're very connected. Your your heart is very much with God and. And that's a great place to be. And it's almost like you can feel and see that guilt and it shows up and you kind of just understand, well, that's just normal. Does that make sense? Is that how it feels to you? Yeah. Yeah. But you're not like, you're not, you're not wallowing in it. You're not wallowing in that guilt and letting it take you down. So all of this, you, you and your son are both exactly where you need to be right now, um, given, you know, the circumstances and, I feel like the um as as Justine said that the the beings that were there observing you I think they're also sort of their guides that are coming in to let you know look he's busy right now but we're here and that you saw them as um like shadows is just Mm-hmm. An introduction, you know what I mean? And your clairvoyance is going to be able to fill that in a little bit. And and they're just creeping in because we actually need to build trust with our spirit guides as well. Um, and since your husband mm-hmm. saw them too, I mean, I think that that's, that's huge. It's a big sign because they actually did what your son isn't able to do right now, where they manifested very in a very uh, physical way because light is actually a physical it's a quantizable physical matter. So um, they, they actually, be, it wasn't just you with your spiritual sight. They, they actually came into the physical realm as a physical, you know, as light. Yeah, so. Um, they weren't light, though. They were dark. I understand. I That's mean, what scared me. Oh, yeah. I, and what yeah. I mean, I mean light because you could see it. You know what I mean? Like with your physical 